Whatever job you need to do out there, grab the right tool to get it done. The new F-150 with an available hybrid engine and up to 7.2 kilowatts of pro power on board to power things on the go. It's not a tool you'll hang in a tool shed, but you can certainly use it to build one. The new 2024 Ford F-150. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024. Optional features the owner's manual for important operating instructions. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to Cole Arbach to uh, not just my main man, Michael Smith, but uh, let me extend my formal welcome to the NBC family. I always say to Cole, I say to people all the time, like, I got a daughter, an oldest daughter, about to go into college, so I need all the jobs I can get. I try to wear a lot of hats, but I ain't got nothing on you. I either need your agent or you need to give me some of your talent because, all right, let me make sure I get everything right so everybody knows who, how, what an expert we're talking to here. Senior writer for The Athletic. As I mentioned, NBC Sports, College Football Insider, Big Ten Network Studio Analyst, Sirius XM host. Am I missing anything? Like, I don't know when you find time to sleep. Uh, thank you for finding the time to, to come on my podcast. Am I missing any jobs of yours? No, you got them all. Um, I am the same with you. More jobs is better than fewer jobs, so I will take them all. Um, but I am super excited to be with you and uh, – and talk some college football and maybe some pop culture. I feel like there's been a lot of uh, a lot of news over the weekend. Okay, let's let's get let's get to the pop culture. I mean, you know, we'll, we'll get to the college football, but I I get that. Yes. <laughs> okay, I need your help. <laughs> I need your help because I'm gonna make a bad impression on you here. Like, I, I'm not a Swifty, and that's not. And when I say I'm not a Swifty, it's not anti. I don't mean like oh I don't like ketchup. You know what I mean? It's just. I, I, I'm just, I don't know her music like that. And I don't know if that makes, so it's, it's a me problem. It's not you. It's not y'all. It's a me problem. Can you explain to me why, like, it felt like the world was consumed by Taylor Swift's presence at the Kansas City Chiefs game and for Travis Kelsey? It's like, okay, great. They're hanging out. Why is everybody losing their minds over who Travis, Kel whether Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift are together? Okay, well, this is going to be a more detailed answer than you probably want. Um, no, but... give me all the give me all the details because because <laughs> maybe because I, I need to be converted because I mean everybody is enamored with Taylor Swift Swift except for me it seems. Okay, so I think that she is currently the most famous person in the world, and she has probably never had an approval rating this high. And I think part of it was that she put out a ton of music during the pandemic, a lot of different types of music, like folklore and Evermore very different so like it kind of brought in like the dad rock like sad dads into the fandom and then she goes okay. on this tour and puts on an incredible four-hour performance she plays all of her best songs from all of her different eras and there were surprise songs they became something people were streaming on tiktok she's just she's just never been bigger and never been more like beloved and so mm. whenever she goes through breakup like the swifties are always on the case they're looking for who did her wrong, how it happened, how it unfolded, and then who she might date next. And I think like this has just really captivated people because it's so against type for her and for him. 
and she's never dated an athlete. She has also been dating okay. these like British actor types a lot lately. And I just think people are invested in this and that it's playing out so publicly and we're like parsing Jason Kelsey interviews. I think like it's just been kind of like a game and it's been fun and it's fun to get to see her like, you know, I don't know. She was clearly having like cranberry vodka at a Chiefs game with Travis Kelsey's mom. Like that was just, it was enjoyable to consume and to watch. And mm. um, I don't know if they're going to actually date or anything, but it's been, it's been fun to just sort of like watch her have a little fun with this and lean into it. You know, when you put it that way, because if you're a fan of somebody, it kind of gives you a, something of a window into who they are and maybe, you know, what can we relate to? So because, you know, a light bulb went off for me when you said it's against her type because it's like, well, now I'm curious, like, well, Travis Kelsey, like, I thought I knew Travis Kelsey, but what is it about Travis Kelsey? And I don't mean this in a disrespectful way. I mean, it's in a, in a curious way, like. How'd you pull Taylor Swift? Conversely, Taylor Swift, what is it about you where you're like, oh, I'm into Travis Kelsey. So I guess there is, you know, the chemistry. What is the chemistry here? And what does it say about two people who we think we know a lot about? I would like to know more about you, Nicole, and how you came to be a Swifty in the first place. Um, yeah, the Swifty dumb, um, is, is very gradual. I, I don't consider myself like the world's best person about pop culture and celebrities and music, but this is one corner, uh, that I have dove into because, you know, like we work in sports, right. And it's like, you need to have something that is not sports to be a break from our jobs right. and everyone else uses sports and entertainment as their hobbies and their nights and weekends. And we're working. So uh, so that's kind of how that one began. But that also that also like got me into like the Bachelor franchise and different things that yeah, I would say like were were guilty pleasures, but then I was just kind of like very upfront about owning them. But no, I mean it's you know, these jobs are a lot and they're awesome and on great days they don't feel like work, but I do think we need to have some of, of the crazy, just like very surface level yeah. things to uh to keep ourselves entertained. If I wanted to get on Taylor Swift like you know, and I'm not, I'm not too old to try something new. Like, where do I, where do I start? Do I start no, from the no. beginning? You know, how, how do I, so, what, do you think I would, do you think I would like her music? I, go, I mean, just from what you know about me, do you think I would like her music? Um, I mean, I, I think you'd have to, to sample a couple of different albums. Okay. I would maybe start recent and go back in time. So, um, okay. like uh, Midnight's, a lot of good, a lot of good songs there. Um, but I, so I love folklore and evermore. I liked her already. I liked the pop era of, of Taylor, like 1989 era, but folklore and evermore were very much, they're very much like, it's like the national, it's like gaslight anthem. It's like those types of songs, which I think are just very easy to put on while you're cooking, while you're doing something else, like very easy to just kind of like, um, to figure out if you're into it that way. But like part of her appeal, which I think is why it's become more broad is that she is, been a country star she has been a pop star she has done kind of like the um again i keep calling it like dad rock but i think like i think that's where it's become more mainstream and then like i think a lot of nfl quarterbacks and we saw a lot of famous people go to her shows this year because yeah you know i think it was it was a thing to do but also like it was an incredible athletic feat like i really want to know about how she recovered and like she never canceled a show for her voice. She never lost her voice. She was performing for four hours straight, no breaks, a lot of choreography. 
like how did she physically do it what was she eating like was she getting were we doing some cryotherapy like i have a lot of Such questions about all of this <laughs> i know but i want to know so like this is where like it is it, like i upped the ante because i got very interested in all of this and that's where i'm like all right it's time for her to have her athlete era because she is an athlete as well right now oh i, I like how you put that you mentioned the dad rock the other thing i'm noticing just because i do know people who are into taylor swift and you know, or, or who have attended a concert, there feels like a lot of uh, family bonding that's going on around Taylor Swift. Is, is, am I, am I, is that right? Uh, I don't want to be, I'm speaking out of ignorance for the most part, but it feels like a lot of like parents are going there with their kids and enjoying it together. Is that fair? Yes, there's definitely, there's definitely some of that. There was also definitely a lot of dads just like waiting outside the stadium to pick up their daughters after the show. But um, yeah, there yeah. was there was like a couple I, I definitely saw because I saw two shows. Um, a lot of people dressed up. That was part of the appeal of going to mm. the Aeros tour. And there thing. was some everybody's the bracelets, making bracelets and whatnot. Yeah, that's how Travis Kelsey first you know put himself out there mm. that he wanted to give her a bracelet and get her number. But there were dads who did the, like instead of hi I'm the problem it's me they're like hi I'm the dad it's me <laughs> wearing t-shirts to go to the show so. It was cute. It Again, it was like, it appealed to a lot of different like parts of your life. Like whenever you became a yeah. fan or if you had, like I had a friend who took her seven year old kid who's super into it. Right. Cause there's music's for all, all of the, all of the generations. And, um, and it was really fun. And so I think that like, that's part of why she's just such a big deal right now. And it goes to like your question right out of the gate. Like what on earth is she seeing in Travis Kelsey? What is like, what, what, why was him shooting his shot in this way? effective like how did it work yeah. like it's just yeah. so fascinating so like it's a human interest angle like why him why this and he's also basically the first person who's dating her who realizes that they're dating taylor swift and like this is like a massive deal and there's like a lot of hoopla and all oh. your friends and relatives are going to get asked about her because she's dated a lot of dudes that just kind of like are very quiet low-key like don't really put themselves out there so there's just like a lot of layers to this this is why yeah like Sunday on the internet was one of the more entertaining days in, in a while. Was it? Okay. <laughs> All right, cool. Uh, you know what? You, you sold me, Nicole. You sold me. I'm going to, I'm going to go try. I've never <laughs> listened to a single Taylor Swift. Well, I mean, no, I have, I heard shake it off. I've heard some of the, yeah. the mainstream things that just, yeah. Okay. So I have listened to some Taylor Swift before, but I never really gotten into Taylor Swift, but now I feel like it's my duty to keep up with the times because yes. prior to, yes. prior to this, you know, connection is love connection between Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. One would argue that the biggest story in football was Deion Sanders. Feels like they, you know, Colorado and Deion, thanks to this loss and thanks to Taylor Swift, have been uh, have been pushed aside. So let's start with Colorado. And just as a storyteller, as a reporter, because I, I was I was looking forward to. I know it was unlikely, highly unlikely. I, I, I'm not surprised that they lost to a powerhouse like Oregon. Uh, on the road, but I was looking forward to the scene of a potential undefeated Colorado team and, and, and an undefeated USC and Caleb Williams. I, I can't imagine who would have been in attendance in that game and how that game would have been covered. But lo and behold, Dan Lanning and Oregon had different ideas. So I'll ask it to you like this and just take this wherever you want to go. Was it better for the story for Colorado to lose like that? Or would it have been better had they continued this run and been undefeated? Or was there something to that loss that adds even more intrigue to the Dion story? 
It's a really good question because, like, my instinct is to say them staying undefeated and staying the biggest story in sports. It, it was it was so far beyond sports, too. Like, this was a story that was on Good Morning America, not just ESPN, right? So there was, like, when you have 8 million people watching a game at 2 a.m., and normally maybe if a million people are watching those Pac-12 after dark games, like, clearly something else is at stake. So I think staying undefeated, continuing to just kind of, like, defy the odds and contend in the Pac-12 would have been a bigger story. And, and certainly beating an Oregon team that, like, has is built to contend for the college football playoff. But I'm super interested in seeing how Deion Sanders responds to this. Like, he has mm. never really gone through this as a head football right. coach because at Jackson State, they won all the time. They had the more talented yeah. rosters, and it was super successful. And then, you know, you go and you win your first three games this season. Like, this is going to be fascinating. And to get USC right after this is going to be really interesting. And I, I still think there's going to be a lot of hype for that game because you still got Shadur Sanders. You still got Caleb Williams. Like, USC's defense looks as suspect as we kind of thought it might. So, like, this game does have, like, fireworks potential. Um, and so I'm sure the, the celebrities will still be out on the sidelines because Colorado is still, like, the cool place to go. It's a cool sideline to be seen on. And that mm. happened overnight, too. So I don't think that's necessarily going to go away. But I do think, you know, a little bit of the spotlight will, will change. Um, but I do think there will be a lot of people tuning in just to see what coach prime is like when he has his backs against the wall, he's been embarrassed. How do they respond? And that's, and that's why, that's why I asked the question that way. And I appreciate your answer because part of me is like, okay, like, let's see, let's see how the energy shifts now, uh, both internally and externally, but also like, I I don't mean, I don't mean to dumb this down too much, but the haters kind of needed they needed a win, if that makes sense. Like it couldn't, it, it could not just be smooth sailing from day one, and they're gonna go undefeated and take the college football world by storm and win a national championship. No, it, it there needs to be ups and downs. It needs to be ebbs and flows. Like, the, like the, the, if Deion Sanders is the hero, the hero needs to suffer a setback. You know, because that's the fun part. It's like people get built up and and then they get built up to such a level where people get sick of the story and they get tired of them and they take shots at them. And like, you know, they want to see them fall. And then when they fall, now we want to see them, you know, pick themselves back up again. So it's like the story needed a plot twist. And that plot twist was them getting smacked in the mouth by a coach for whom it was clearly personal to him. Yeah, that I think, again, in terms of narrative, like, you can't really get much better than that pregame speech from Dan Lanning talking about, you know, they're playing for clicks. We're playing, you know, football. And it's, it's such a uh, relatable sentiment, right? Because I'm sure every single interview and every question that Dan Lanning got all last week was about Dion and about Colorado and no respect, you know, from his perspective about his team and what he's got, he's got a Heisman trophy contender, a quarterback and, like the top of the pac 12 is awesome like there's great quarterbacks there's great teams great offenses like super compelling and i watched interviews that he went through last week where like the first like eight questions were about dion and about the comment he made about realignment in summer and and how impressed he should be about dion sanders and like all of these coaches in college football have had more traditional paths to where they are than dion sanders right and so they're looking and they're saying, you know, this, this guy's gotten so much attention. And certainly this is a program that won one game last year. So it is an incredible achievement what he's done. And I think they're going to go bowling. And I think that is a massive, massive achievement for Colorado this yeah. year. 
But there are probably a lot of football coaches out there that wanted to see a a better football team. Because, again, you look at the talent, and Dion's going to get more talent for sure. But they're not there yet, right? There's clearly a gap with Colorado. Um, And so I'm sure there were a lot of football coaches that wanted Oregon to do and run up the score and do what they did to prove a point of, like, we have built a championship contender. And you can be a great story, but you're not going to be – as good a football team as we are. And like that clearly was the message that he was trying to to get across. And I get that because clearly he felt it all week, all probably all for the first three weeks of the season. Everyone's been talking mm-hmm. about Deion Sanders. I mean, Nick Saban's getting asked about him. Everybody's getting asked about it. It's such a collective focus that, um, yeah, I mean, he definitely took it personally. And it felt like he was just so emotional about it. He just needed, it was like a release. Like he needed to just say all yeah. that stuff and then they needed to do what they did in the first half because he was clearly so, so frustrated of the week leading in. But you're right. Like, that just adds to the dynamic. It adds to the people who who are thinking that there's too much flash for not a lot of substance or that they're essentially treating, like, Colorado. Like, these teams are playing Deion Sanders. They're not even really playing Colorado. Like, there's just so many layers to all of this that mm-hmm. I do think getting beat and then having someone say all that about you, too, it does add to all of the narratives around what Colorado yeah. is doing and how Dion is impacting college football by doing this and building a program in an entirely different way. Yeah, I mean, it, it, when you take pop culture by storm, it becomes a culture war. That's just the way our society works. So there was this culture war at play. And in a, in a war, both sides have to suffer losses. And I feel like for, for the, the pro-Colorado crowd, which, of which I'm a part of, my wife went to um, – she went on business to Boulder um, just last week. And you know what my kids wanted? Colorado gear. They wanted Coach Prime gear. It was all sold out, but they wanted Colorado gear. I was going to say, was it, was it in stock even? I can't even imagine. Not the Coach Prime stuff, but the Colorado stuff was, thankfully. So my wife had to buy a whole new suitcase because she bought so much Colorado gear back. And she brought the Colorado <laughs> gear back. And and I'm proud of both my kids, my oldest two kids. I'm proud of them. They both have worn since the beatdown against Oregon. They have both worn that Colorado hoodie, which I'm like, keep that same energy. So my point in that story is, it's like for the pro Colorado crowd. Now you get to prove whether you were just a fair weather fan uh, and you were just on this bandwagon, or you gonna keep that same energy because it's only gonna make the come up and the comeback that much sweeter given that you know a lot of people are saying hey this is what colorado really is so I'm, I'm i'm even more fascinated by the story believe it or not than i would have been otherwise or that i was going in the last weekend because i do want to see how he responds um all right your top 10 um where oregon uh checks in at number 10 your top 10 on the athletic appointment reading uh want to start at the top though because and there's a Dion connection here uh I grew up a Florida State fan. I wanted to go to Florida State. I had a Florida State hat, starter jacket, uh, T-shirts. I always wore um, the Florida State colors uh, whenever I could. Uh, In the Miami-Florida State rivalry, I always took Bobby Bowden, Florida State. So it's nice to see them back on top and and on top of your your power rankings. Uh, Can you put into perspective the significance of ending this skid against Clemson and just how Florida, how good Florida State is and can be the remainder of the season. Yeah, I really like this team. Um, you know, I think people have been all over the map on Clemson, right? They looked, they looked much better against Florida State than they did against Duke in week one. But 
so I think it was a really good win and maybe people wanted them to just blow out Clemson and, you know, they were thinking of, you know, how weak the offense had looked against Duke, but I, I liked that it was hard. I liked that it came down, you know, they needed the scoop and score. They needed a missed field goal to get it to overtime because like, that's how you have a changing of the guard. You have to go and grab it. It has to be difficult. And so, um, you know, Clemson's been the gold standard in the ACC and one of the gold standards in the country for a while yeah. now. And we've waited, we've expected Florida State. Like, they're one of the teams we always wonder, hey, are they back? Are they going to be back? They, they are back. They're back because yeah. they beat LSU the way that they beat them. They beat Clemson. They have a clear path to the college football playoff, but they have the two best wins in the country. So, like, they're very solid. They're very talented. Yes, they've had their 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 sluggish games. They've had, they almost blew the lead against Boston College. I get all of that, but... From a program build standpoint, Mike Norvell's done an incredible job. Like they have taken steps forward each year and they haven't skipped any. So yeah, you I mean you want things to turn around quicker. Everyone would love, like again, Coach Prime, like the immediate spark, immediate jump and wins, but it's not always like that. And Mike Norvell had to clean up a mess. And so, you know, they had to rebuild an offensive line. And that takes a couple of years. They had to do all of these things step by step. And then they go and they've used the transfer portal better than anybody else in the country. They have supplemented, again, the way that they're they're building, and that's from high school players, guys who are in the program for years, but they're supplementing them with great pickups in the portal. Like Jared Verse was just an incredible mm. find. He was out of Albany. And then Keon Coleman, maybe the best receiver available, picks Florida State, and then he's an immediate, uh, you know, Bolitnikoff favorite maybe, but he's, he's an immediate impact player for FSU. So I just like the way that they're built. They're extremely talented. They're tough. Um, and I just, I, I really like them. And so I put them number one because, you know, you either the, philosophically uh, looking at the top of the, the country right now, you either believe in Georgia and Michigan, despite them not playing anybody with pulse mm -hmm. and you keep them at the top or you base yeah. it all on resume because everybody else has played challenging opponents. So I based it on resume. I went with FSU just because I think those are two monster wins. I think they're going to hold up. I think Clemson's going to end up being a top 25 team. Um, but also just like the, they, they told me a lot about the Seminoles and I think they're going to make the college football playoff. I think they could even lose a game here between now and December and still make it. But you also said that one could make an argument for UW as a number one team in the country and you would not argue with that. No, no. I mean, I, if you've watched Washington play, and again, some of it's been like they've already they blow up people early, or they played at like midnight last week, so maybe not everyone has seen them. But they have been, they have looked the part. They have looked like the best team in the country, basically from the very first snap of the season. And that offense is ridiculous, and it's incredibly fun to watch. So I, I highly recommend it if you haven't haven't seen it yet. Because you've got Michael Penix Jr. healthy, and he put up monster numbers last year and decides to come back. So you've got an NFL quarterback, and then you've got three NFL receivers. And they mm. are just having fun picking apart all of these different defenses that they're going up against. I mean, they put up more yards against Michigan State than has ever been put up against Michigan State, and that program's in a rough place right now. But then they go and they put up a million first half points against Cal. Like, they are just unstoppable. And someone, again, someone will give them more resistance. And their defense will be tested at some point because there's great offenses in the Pac-12. But it's so hard to watch that team for more than a couple of drives and not be like, wow, I think the nation is sleeping on them. They, they just, they look the part. Literally it almost sleeping feels on like, them. <laughs> well, literally sleeping on them. That's always the West Coast <laughs> yeah. problem. But like, 
they yeah. sort of had that feel of LSU in 2019 where the oh, offense, what? it just looked so easy to burrow and they had so many weapons and it took a while for everyone to realize like, okay, actually they have like all the pieces. They might, they may just keep this up the whole season. So I'm not saying they're that team, but they look, they look special. All right. And I'll get you out of here with this one. Your number three team, uh, the Ohio state Buckeyes thrilling finish in South Bend thrilling and frustrating, depending on which side you're on, I guess what, which side of that story fascinates you more? Like Ryan Day, and you talk about emotional, like probably the only person more pissed off than Dan Lanning was Brian Day at Lou Holtz. I don't know who decided to let Lou Holtz yeah. <laughs> back, back on television. That's another conversation. But anyway, um, Brian Day uh, going at Notre Dame, going at Lou Holtz and the idea that his team was not tough was a sight to see. But on the flip side, like, how do you not see in the last two plays, not the last play, but the last two plays that there are 10 men on the field when you're trying to protect the goal line and you do not. And then you justify it by saying, I didn't want to take a penalty as if that would have made a difference. Like you should have 12 men, not 10 on the field in that situation. So which side of that story fascinates you more? And if the answer is both, I completely understand. Yeah, it, it is both. But like, I do want to start with the, the 10 men on the field. I mean, like, I can't believe that they that Marcus Freeman thought that that answer would make it better or would be something that we're saying. It, it makes it worse. Yeah. And there's not really much that you can say because it was two plays after a timeout, but two plays. So you didn't right. even realize it on the previous play. But, of course, you take a penalty. It's like a couple of inches. You, you'd rather take right. a penalty and have all your dudes out there and lose a game because they ran it right up the gut when you should have had a defender. Like, it's a noticeable spot. I, I couldn't understand how, like, none of the players even were, like, waving and flagging. Wait, and, like, somebody's hey, supposed to be here. right here. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, it was it was stunning. Um, so, I mean, I think there's just a lot of questions about that. Like, you can be a relatively new, you know, head coach, but, like, that's just inexcusable. And, again, Notre Dame, like, that game was within grasp and they should have had it. And that's a lot on the coaching staff with the way that that one went down. But I, I do want to talk about Ryan day too, because I feel like that emotion and the anger and the release and everything that came out in that rant about Lou Holtz, which again, mm. did not have that on my bingo card coming into the Saturday. <laughs> um, yeah. It shows like he knew exactly what would have been written and said on Sunday. if He lost that game, you know, his record against top 10 opponents, and the narrative really since that first loss to Michigan, that they're not physical, that they can get run over by teams. And, you know, again, some of the style of play, it, it's maybe unfair in some of their other losses in different games, but it's really about Michigan. And so I think with Notre Dame, the way that they're built, the way that they want to win games and the way that game was going, like, like Ohio State had to do what they had to do. They had to say, hey, we need one yard. And this is how we're going to do it. You know we're, we're going to run the ball, yeah. and we're going to yeah. get it that way because it did prove right. something to them. And then you're going to have people say there's an asterisk, and you know there were only ten guys on the field, but whatever. It still accomplished what Ohio State needed it to accomplish. So um, I I think it's bigger for Ryan Day, but I will say too, as someone who I went to Michigan, I've lived in this rivalry. It doesn't change what happens at the end of the season. Like Jim Harbaugh could beat Notre Dame, he could beat Michigan State. Didn't matter if he lost to Ohio State. And, and Ryan Day will feel that too. I mean, you can't you can't lose. You can't lose to the Wolverines yeah. three years in a row. So he feels good right now, and he should. That was a massive win for them, and big just for the playoff implications, for the conference, for all those things. But 
you know, it's going to get anxious. He's, things are going to get tight. Things are going to get uncomfortable again as we get towards the end of November. Well, it was massive uh, for me to have you on my main man, Michael Smith. Nicole, thank you so much for blessing this here podcast, taking time out of your very, very busy schedule <laughs> to come talk college football and Taylor Swift with me. Um, I'll report back to you on my progress in my journey to becoming a Swifty. How's that? Okay. All right. I've got a blank space that I will just leave for you to fill in with your thoughts once you get in and become a Swifty. I know that was a reference. Just in terms of context, <laughs> I know that was a reference, which will make more sense <laughs> once I start listening to Taylor Swift. I just did, your delivery said that that was a reference that Swifties would get. I'm, I'm on my way. Yes. I'm on my way. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. <laughs> All right, thanks for having me. Dietz & Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Charles, one of my all-time favorite around-the-horn questions was, is it more about? And that question usually came up uh, from extreme results. You know, somebody gets blown out, somebody chokes, right. some, there's a comeback, you know, whatever, there's a blowout. It's like more about this team or that team, more about this person or that person. Classic more about situation between Miami and Denver, 70 to 20, in case you missed it somehow. More about the Dolphins or the Broncos. And the answer is always both. So there's no wrong right. answer. Yeah, it's always yeah. both when you have a situation <laughs> like that. So that's what made those debates pretty fun. But I'm telling you, man, like neither one of us have ever seen some shit like that in our entire lives. No. We have literally never seen that before. Not since 1966 has an NFL team put up 70. The old adage is, those guys get paid too. Well, it didn't really seem like it on the Denver Broncos part yesterday. So, all right, Charles, more about the Broncos or the Dolphins? Like you said, I mean, it's both. <laughs> it's, not, it's, not, <laughs> right. it's not an either or. I mean, like, it, I, right. think they're, I think but we more saw... about. <laughs> I will say it's more about... I will say it's more about the Dolphins. I, I refuse to believe that the Broncos are, you know, like when I look back at, I, I went back, I was like, let me see the last two times 70 was scored. So like 66, the Giants, that was a one, I want to say it was a one twelve and one team. 
right? I mean, just a, mm-hmm. a god awful team. Um, and then the 1950, I want to say Baltimore Colts, who went one one and eleven and were dissolved by the league for three years after after yeah. that season. So I mean, like, yeah. I don't look at Denver as being just a complete absolute atrocity. They're not going to be relegated. No, right? I don't, yeah, exactly. Right. I don't. Right. I'm not sitting here looking at Denver going. This that's a one in sixteen team, you know, this season yeah. or two and two and fifteen team this season. Um, on the other hand, the Dolphins, I look at, you know, road wins against the Chargers and the Patriots. It's not yeah. easy to start the season like yep. that, especially when, again, their offensive line wasn't perfect to start the season. Nobody's nobody's offensive line was, but there was, theirs was banged up. Um, you're playing without Jalen Ramsey, remember. People have forgotten that Jalen Ramsey's even on this team, right? Because yeah. he's not on yeah. the field. And then Jalen Waddle. And the other Jalen. Yeah. 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 And, and this is – so to me, I think – the high points that we saw last year with Tua, the moments where we we're like, oh, that, that guy might be an MVP candidate um, before all the concussions, I think he's closer to, to realistically that player. I think, um, and, and I think yeah. Mike McDaniel is a revelation. I think offensively, the, when you look at Man. the cutups of that team, not only do they use all their personnel, they use a multitude of different guys, right? I mean, whether it's Moster, um, every blade of grass. Every, oh, my God, the space, Mike. It's crazy yeah. how much yeah. they're able to space out that offense. And space and speed is death, like in the NFL. You cannot have fast mm-hmm. players and open them up to space, and and opponents cannot handle that. And that was the one thing about Denver that struck me is I was just like, they seem so much slower than the mm-hmm. Dolphins. But I don't think it's because Denver's necessarily slow. I just think the Dolphins play fast as hell. And they play wide open. Right. Well, from a story standpoint, you and I are both storytellers. We're attracted to good stories or just interesting stories. Denver's dysfunction is definitely a story, and we'll get to that in a second. But I'm with you that for me, yesterday's historic blowout was more about the Dolphins because, you know, I'm old enough to remember when Stephen Ross was getting suspended for tampering with Tom Brady. I'm old enough <laughs> to remember – Brian Flores is still unresolved lawsuit. Uh, and one of the accusations was uh, tanking to get Joe Burrow um, or, or being instructed to tank to get Joe Burrow. And I, I'm old enough to remember when it was a mistake on the part of the Dolphins for taking Tua at five instead of Justin Herbert at six. I'm old enough to remember when there was a whole lot of smoke. You and I both, I think we might have talked about this uh, might even been last week. I don't remember. I'll, you know, I love our weekly check-ins. Um, but I'm old enough to remember when there was a lot of smoke around Deshaun Watson going to Miami. Yeah. And or and and last but not least, who the hell is this this weirdo? Some said some people this weirdo at the press conference uh, introducing Mike McDaniel after they just fired Brian Flores, who you know looked like he was uh, you know making chicken salad out of chicken shit in Miami, right? I say all that to say, look at this team now. This team looks practically unstoppable, injuries notwithstanding. Um, And even on their off days, they can still be problematic. Ask New England about that. Um, To your point about their speed, the top six fastest recorded ball carriers this year. Tyreek Hill, Devon A. Chain, Tyreek Hill, Raheem Mostert, Tyreek Hill, Devon A. Chain. 
That's insane. They they are insane. Bro, I used to play with the Miami Dolphins and Dan Marino on Tecmo Bowl all the time. I don't think (laughs) I ever put up 70. I don't think I put up 70. (laughs) This is is, is going back to Bo Jackson, Tecmo Bowl, Bo Jackson, Tecmo Bowl too, right? Super you know, so yeah, I mean, so, like so for me, it's just it's just that the Dolphins, you know, they found their way into potential greatness. I mean, I don't want to disrespect the job that Chris Greer has done or certainly the job that Mike McDaniel has now done uh, in terms of constructing this roster and coaching to his skill set. But it feels like whether it's Mike McDaniel or uh, Tua Tungabaloa, they seem to have kind of like tripped upward or failed upward, if that makes sense. And I, And I love it. Good for them. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I wonder if we went back how much of Brian Flores' influence on that situation, Stephen Ross's influence on that situation. I I guess what I look at is all you and I heard for a while was that, like, the owner didn't feel like Tool was the right guy, right? And that Brian Flores didn't feel like Tool was the right guy. And that, yeah. you know, it was there was like this this uh, friction with Chris Greer because, you know, they had selected to where they did. And yeah, I think there was an opinion amongst I don't necessarily know if it was the owner. I, don't, I guess I don't want to pin it on flow, but there was definitely an opinion emanating from that building that Tua was soft. He's a soft player. Yes. He didn't have a killer yes. instinct. He was right. not going to go out there and cut throats the way Tom Brady would, which is that whole tampering mm-hmm. thing or you know, Deshaun Watson would or whatever. And, um, or, or, and, and one more thing, I'm working with a guy every Thursday. I remember how, how I felt on the outside when they benched Ryan Fitzpatrick for Tua, yeah. when they were rolling, mm-hmm. they were yeah. rolling at the time and they pulled the plug yep. on Fitzpatrick. Yeah. Yep. And, it, and it was at a moment too, where you're like, okay, you're going, you're going to go through some growing pains here with Tua. We get it. It's not perfect, but it's like, do you, you know, do you stick with it? It's like what Anthony Richardson, like, do you think all of a sudden the Colts are going to bench Anthony Richardson because now he's, you know, right. he's, he's not learning to, you know, protect himself. No, they're going to go through those right. growing pains. He's going to have to learn how to protect himself. As soon as he's healthy, he's going to be back out there. Um, and so it's, I guess to me, when we talk about failing upward, yeah, I mean, I, but we can't pin that on McDaniel. We can't pin it on Greer because I think Greer no, did believe no. in Tua, right? And yeah. and yeah. I think I meant, anything, I meant just organizationally, like and ultimately oh, sure. the buck stops yeah. with Stephen Ross, yeah. Yeah, and he could, he could not get out of his own way oh. with his yeah. with his meddling, and now he's got a genius oh, of a chaos. coach. He, yeah, it was chaos. Yeah. He's got a he's yeah. got a he's got a, a savant of a, of a head coach now that he's ended up with. I mean, remember the show? I mean, hell, you reported on it, the Sean Payton stuff. The Sean, I mean, he wanted yeah. Sean Payton. He, he went from firing Brian Flores to wanting Sean Payton, ironically. We saw what happened on the other side this Sunday to ending up with Mike McDaniel. You know, he wanted every other quarterback but Tua. And yet, they look like Bill Walsh and Joe Montana. Or yeah, Steve Young, rather, because no, he's left-handed. It's definitely wild coming out of the other side. And by the way, not only that, there have been other decisions, too, that, I mean, Tyreek Hill. When they dealt for Tyreek Hill, I remember the day after that went down, I was talking to somebody in Kansas City, and they were like, there's no – I mean, like, we love him. He is a great player. He's dynamic. But there's no way a receiver can make himself worth $30 million a year. There's just no way. Like, I think they were were stunned, absolutely stunned that that was the number that it landed on. And 
Yet, or now even just when from I a credibility Kill, standpoint. Oh, I'm sorry. Go oh, ahead. yeah. Sorry. No, absolutely. But and yet now when I watch Tyree Kill, I'm like, yeah, no, I think he's worth it. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, I, yeah. He I might, never yeah. would have believed it, and now I'm like, <laughs> but, no, I, I think that guy. But credibility wise, but but credibility wise, like Kansas City. Oh well, Kansas City. It's you know obviously it's well, and there was some doubts about replacing Tyree Kill. Don't get me wrong, but Kansas right. City knows what they're doing, and here come sure. the idiot Dolphins overpaying both in terms of draft compensation. And in terms of financial compensation to Tyreek yeah. Hill. But then remember, it was, and Tyreek Hill told us that he was going to be just fine with Tua, that in yeah, some ways, did. and this is still a stretch, that Tua was just as good. I don't remember, I don't want to misquote him, <laughs> but just as good, if not better than Patrick Mahomes. And there were the, the, the training camp videos that came out yeah, of Tyreek Hill so having bad. to wait for a tour. It's <laughs> bad on us. I mean, yeah, are, like, you know, you know how fickle fan bases can be. and You know how okay. obnoxious certain fan bases can be. <laughs> if anybody right now has a right to tell us all to eat it and to beat their chest, it is Dolphins Twitter. It is the Miami yeah. Dolphins fan base. The they have stands. every right to be insufferable. The two of two anon, whatever oh they call themselves. They have every right yeah. to be oh insufferable God. right now. They can be insufferable right, right right now if they want. Absolutely. Yeah, I and I did battle with those. Trust me. It was not a it was <laughs> especially you know, got, during the Deshaun stuff. Yeah, during the Deshaun stuff, stuff, right? Get, yeah, yeah, I'm getting murdered because yeah. they're like, yeah. you don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, I think I really <laughs> yeah. do. I'm like, you have a head coach that I'm pretty sure I have a beat on. And and it just turned out that he was wrong. Like he was wrong about it to us. So, I mean, whatever I, it, it's, um, the, I, man, it's so funny that you brought up the tire. I, I had forgotten about Tyreek Hill. I think, what did he say? He was like, he thought Tua was a more accurate passer or something. It was something was? along those okay. lines where it was, yeah. I thought he said more yeah. accurate or whatever. And we okay. were just like, why would you do that to Tua? Yeah. And then they did put out <laughs> that video. You and I talked about that video. Like, it was not the like proper clip. Like I probably would have not put. Yeah. Don't make Tyreek Hill wait. But I mean, maybe what we didn't consider is that Tyreek Hill is just so damn fast. You maybe you can't get yeah. a clip of him not having to wait for a ball. Um, yeah. I, no, you're right. I mean, of of all the fan bases, of all the people who could stand up right now and say that we're right. Now, by the way, let's let's temper this. We are three games in, and I'm still. Mm-hmm. I hate to say this, but it is the truth, and I think deep down some people still think it is at some point who is going to get hammered, right? Like it has not happened yet where he just got absolutely destroyed in the pocket. I don't think Every he gets hit at all. If I'm not mistaken, I saw. I don't remember what the I, number was, so I'm not going to butcher the stat. He doesn't get yeah. hit. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty wild, and they've done a great job of that. Like I, I give, I give all props to the coaching staff. I love the plays that they're stealing. You know, the little. Uh, I don't know, like this inside dude, I pitch. Throw a no look. The, yeah, this yeah, dude throwing no look shovel pitch. passes, dog. Yeah. Come on. Which, <laughs> which they, by the way, they're clowning right now. They are that, clowning. I, I do think that's. I I had like Chiefs fans are all like they stole that from Kansas City's office. I'm like I just heard Andy Reid literally say on some national TV broadcast, "I'll take a play from anybody. I'll take a play anywhere." So don't even don't still. Get mad I've never seen. Someone... I've never seen a no look joint. I've never seen my home story no look. He's throwing underhand. I've. I've never seen a little Magic Johnson dish. It was, that was it was impressive. It was. So look, they're feeling themselves. I think they built a great roster. I think yeah. um, from Mike McDaniel handling the offense to Vic Fangio handling the defense, I can't wait to see Jalen Ramsey in the fold there. Let's wait and see, number one, how the health stacks up long-term. And then yeah, 
I two is going to get hit. Every quarterback gets hit. It's going to happen, and it's there will be at least one bad one. Everybody takes one really bad thump, and yeah, it's it's almost like when no, Mike White don't chuck start. it to Chosen Anderson. <laughs> yeah, 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 I guess. I mean, right? And I'm and I'm looking at Pastor Tan, you know, the second, and I'm like, oh damn! I'm like, you're the, I'm like of all the people chasing right now in this yeah. situation, that is not who I right? expected. Um. But, you know, I mean, like, it's almost like with the two and the injury thing, it's like when you and I start covering the NFL and we deal with the first player who, as we're covering an NFL team who suffers a big injury, and then we learn in the process of covering that player, after they come back from an injury, they have to get hit a couple of times before everybody, whether it's them or the team or the coach, everybody exhales and goes, okay, we're good. We're back to normal again. I do feel like that moment's still there for two. The second he gets hit hard – Everyone's going to sit there and go, okay, what's this going to look like now? And when he gets up, mm-hmm. we'll be like, okay, all right. Now we feel like we've kind of put that away. Let's move on and, and uh, you know, see where this team ultimately can go. But I, the speed numbers that you just gave me, I did not know that they had the top six. That's wild. Top six, yeah. And that's not even including Jalen Waddle, uh, who obviously didn't play yesterday. Not only is two going to get hit, they're going to get punched in the mouth. Um, somebody's going to have an answer for them. They're going to have to adjust so on and so forth. They'll, they'll have an off day, a, re, a legitimate off day, and, uh, and we'll see what happens from there. But in the meantime, they're just fun to watch because uh, it was just a week ago when we were talking about how unstoppable Dallas looked, and, uh, and then the Cardinals had something to say about that. And I have something to say about the Cardinals or something to ask you about the Cardinals. I'll come back to them. But I do want to stay with this, with this game from the other side. We talked about the more about. Denver's dysfunction has had a lot to do with what Miami was able to do yesterday. Yeah. Um, and it's almost like, what do they have to hang their hat on right now? Because there was so much optimism coming right. into this season that, well, listen, we got an actual head coach. You know, we got some, we got an experienced, proven, Super Bowl winning head coach, reputable head coach, some credibility in the building now, as opposed to, uh, you know, the shit show that was Nathaniel Hackett. I looked it up. Nathaniel Hackett ain't never lost by 50. You know, Nathaniel Hackett, right? And, and, and there's no Russell Wilson to blame right now. You right. know, there is no, like, and there's, but there's nothing about this organization right now. And Garrett Bowles was, you know, you, you saw his attitude or his response. I've been here seven years and all I know is losing. I'm sick of it. What about this organization right now? And it's, and, it's, and it's fitting that they play the Bears because I would lump the Bears in the same boat. What says yeah. stay the course? What, like, what says keep uh, going? Where's, where's the silver lining that says, other than, other than Marvin Mims, okay. what do they have right now to say, all right, you know what? We're there. We just got to make a few tweaks. It feels like this organization has no direction, even with Sean Payton leading the way. Mike McCarthy's first season in Dallas. That's what. That's what I would hang my hat on. I would, I would, I know he can't do this, but I would point to, I'd say the owner, I would point to Dallas and I'd say, here was Mike McCarthy's first season in Dallas. He had Mike Nolan as, as defensive coordinator. It did not work. Okay. You can say like whoever you can, whatever your opinion is of Mike Nolan, it was not working with the personnel, right? Either he wasn't getting them okay. in the right stuff or he wasn't connecting with the defensive players. They had a, so a spate of injuries. This is this. Well, I'm, I'm saying if you're going to pitch this to the owner, let's stay the course here. It's yeah. here's a situation where there was talent on the roster. 
Okay. The the quarterback was there. There were other pieces on the roster. Um, there was there's plenty of reasons to feel good, but they ran into injuries and they ran into a, a situation with a defensive coordinator, which just did not work. Okay. And by the way, Cleveland had the same issue last year and the year before, and they swapped in Jim Schwartz. They've tinkered with it in the offseason and look not at Cleveland. Defense looks right incredible. Now. Yeah. Incredible, yeah. right? So I'm I'm saying that, you know, clearly. Sean is already. And I'm, and I'm, not, and I'm not saying I'm not I'm not saying they're firing Sean Payton. That's not what I'm no, saying. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm no. I'm sure talking about the mood inside that organization because right. this feels like right. the type of thing that leaves a mark. Seventy to right. twenty feels like it leaves a mark. No, there's no you know? question. I mean, people are going to talk about yeah. this. The focal point is going to go back through this. If they're successful, people are going to go, man, remember when it was 70 to 20? If they're terrible, they're going to go, man, that was the you know that was the sign. Mm-hmm. We should have just we should have known. Um, mm-hmm. But I do think Sean Payton has already focused this through through Vance Joseph. After the game, he goes on – this is before he even met with the media. He goes on their flagship radio, and he said, we need to see if we were in the right stuff. And I'm like, ooh, mm-hmm. okay. Like, that is right there. That is – and he did say offensively and defensively. But what he's basically saying is when we prepared and we put our game plan together – we clearly did not install the cor- the correct and proper things to compete with this team. And then in the game, we didn't make the adjustments to be in the right calls to defend this team and to, to score points against this team. So that's immediately focusing outward, not only inward on himself and outward on his assistants. So I think there's going to be a lot of heat on Vance Joseph now, like, and I'm going to go back to the Cowboys the same way there was with Mike Nolan, um, the same way there was with, with Joe Woods last, you know, within Cleveland. And so to me, that's part of the start here. And then I think the secondary thing, if you're Denver fans, I think you lean on like Sean Payton, one or two things is going to happen. Either he's going to resurrect it or he's going to break it. And what I mean by that is either he'll figure it out, make the tweaks he has to in season. Maybe they can get themselves to eight and nine and, and you know, the, the back half run feels good and you got something to build on. And then you make coaching changes or whatever in the off season. Or he's going to basically drive it into the ground, turn to ownership mm-hmm. and go rebuild. That's where we are. Yeah. We're going to get rid of this coach. We're going to, and by the way, the front office, like I, I think that Which is feels like pos- what it really is. Cause I think there was a, there was a, there was a sentiment of, Oh, the, the coach was the problem. Cause this is what you pointed out in your column. Is that usually the underlying issues that 70 to 20 didn't happen in a vacuum. So like the coach, which I, which I agree with. It's like, Oh, it's just Nathaniel Hackett, but with, it's almost the, they almost repeated the same mistake of last year. Last year, they felt like if we just get we're a quarterback away, and so they hire Nathaniel Hackett with an eye on Aaron Rodgers, yeah. but they get Russell Wilson. So okay, we're a quarterback away. We get Russell Wilson. Oh, but the problem is just Nathaniel Hackett, and then they get it right the, what they thought was the perfect head coach with a Super Bowl ring, and and you know he's an offensive mastermind, and he's got credibility problem with just a coach we're a coach away there there are there are a lot of things away from being able to be a competent and competitive franchise and maybe exactly what they need is a rebuild but now i'm gonna talk out of both sides of my mouth real quick chuck and i'm gonna say this all right at what point in this process is maybe it's sean payton you know because it's like you can't because there's a lot of there was a lot of seven and nine, a lot of mediocrity in that run in New Orleans. There was a lot of high yeah. points and a lot of, you know, a lot of NFL fixes were in. Let Sean Payton tell it with the officiating. But there was also a lot of mediocrity there, too. And mm-hmm. what I'm saying is it's like, OK, so we need a rebuild. 
So does that mean a different quarterback? Does that mean, you know, different play? Because they got some good – my point is they got some good players on this team. There are good players on this team. So I don't know how much Sean Payton can just say it's everybody, it's my predecessor, it's the defensive coordinator, it's the quarterback, it's everybody but me. Maybe Sean Payton ain't the right guy too at some point. Not now, but at some point. Just maybe, thinking maybe out loud he's here. not the maybe he's not the right guy for Russ. Okay. Like I I here's mm-hmm. the thing, like, and, and again, I'll go back to Mike McCarthy. When McCarthy was hired in Dallas, everyone was pissed, right? They're all like, oh my God, retread, this sucks. And then when Sean yep. Payton hit this the market. This is what Aaron was talking about. <laughs> yeah, this is what, yeah, oh, my God, can't call plays, all these different things, right? Yeah. And then when Sean Payton hit the that gap year, it was like everybody was after him. And yet it was funny because there were people in Dallas that were talking to me. They're like, why is this different? They're like, why? They're like, Mike and Sean had basically the same record. They had basically yeah. the same kind of yeah. success. They both won yeah. one Super Bowl. One guy, though, is a darling. With and the a other great guy, quarterback. Right, with a great quarterback. Right. And then another guy, we got shelled, you know, for we're going and getting this guy. Now, albeit he had a yeah. great quarterback as well, but yeah, it's just funny how the two are are were, were looked at differently. And and yet, like to me, I do think it comes down to what's gonna happen with Russ and can he survive with, with Sean. Like if, if Sean can't make Russ viable, it looked like Sh- it looked like Sean with- didn't want him to survive yesterday. What's, leaving him in the whole yeah. game? Yeah, the whole game. What was yeah. that? Did you see Xavier Howard? I saw Xavier Howard's yeah. comment on that, where he said it was totally disrespectful. Yeah. Like, it was. It's shocking to to leave a guy you don't in do the that game. To, that and, game. And it's not even Russ's resume or Russ's reputation. You don't do that to your starting quarterback, At regardless all. of what he's yeah. accomplished in the league. Yeah, but no, I'm sorry, you, you were saying. It, well, I mean, I think part of that is he's. I do think Sean is like part of this is driving a point home. Maybe it's about Russ. Maybe it's about how he feels about the roster. I don't, that's the thing. The ball is still in the air here. We, we, I understand that Sean and the front office have worked great together. The general manager, George Payton um, ownership feels good about that brain trust. The two of them working together, all these things, but that's at the start. And I think everybody knows if they're being realistic and they will never say it publicly, but I know in those rooms, when they close the door, whether it's the coaching staff or the personnel department or whatever, everybody knows this is a rental situation, this relationship right now. It is like, mm-hmm. let's, we're trying it out. We're sort of seeing how this all works. We're seeing how we feel about the everything. Peyton and Russ. Peyton, and Peyton, Peyton Russ, and, and Sean Peyton, right? Like Sean Peyton, yep. Yep. George Peyton, and Russell Wilson. I think that's oh, okay. the three okay. that are really important okay. here to think of. Because yeah. if okay. change occurs, yep. all the change people are going to look at is they're going to go, well, is it the quarterback, right? Everybody says it's the quarterback. Mm-hmm. And then if they get past the, the quarterback, they go, is it the general manager? And they'll get to Peyton last because Peyton's the most George, or not George Peyton, Sean Peyton last because yep. Sean Peyton's the most recent hire, right? He's the one who's yeah. brought in to change it and fix it. And he's and also the got the two, narrative in his favor as well. He's got the narrative he's, he's in his favor. The, yeah. And, the, and yep. the other two are still rooted in what happened before Sean Peyton, right? So Sean Peyton yep. can come in and go, wait a minute, I wasn't here for the last stuff. And yet these guys are here for everything now too. So I'm, I'm just saying like, I'm not, and by the way, I'm not foreshadowing firings or, or them getting rid of yeah. Russ or any of these things. I'm just saying that if this continues on this kind of arc, no, it's not going to be a franchise that just sits there at the end of the season. Let's say they go, let's say they're not five and 12. Let's say they're four and 13. Let's just say that, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say they go four and 13. So they're a year where a, a loss worse than the Hackett year. Mm-hmm. Now he got fired, mm-hmm. 
you know, mid-season or early in the season. But still, if you're a loss worse than that, you've rolled backward. Everything, all the big pillars aren't going to remain the same, okay? I don't think right. all the big pillars remain the same. I will just say that. Like, right. it's rare that something like that occurs. So, I don't – I. it's a mess. That's what I would say about Denver right now. It's 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 not um, worked out the way that I think they had hoped. I don't think they they thought necessarily it was going to be a playoff team instantly with Sean Payton, but certainly I don't think they thought zero and three hole and absolutely getting right. your brakes beat off by the Miami yeah. Dolphins. So they better beat Chicago, bro. Early. If, they, if they don't oh. beat Chicago, you tell me. Like then what happens? Yeah. If they don't beat Chicago. Well, uh, that's panic. Oh right? God. Yeah, it's panic. I mean, you know, and Chicago feeling the same thing right now. I mean, we could we could devote a whole show to the week that Chicago had. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We talked about video games. Back in my Madden days, which is not that far away, without fail, without fail, I would franchise the Cardinals. I would always franchise the Arizona Cardinals. You know, they were just the easiest roster to liquidate. You know, not many players you want to keep. You know, right. you know what I mean? You put yourself as far build... behind the eight ball as possible, right? You, yeah. That was you the biggest the challenge. Yeah. yeah. So so, there, so there's a, there's a, I'm, I have a connection to this organization from afar. And this year in particular, because it was like, oh, they're tanking, they're tanking. They, they have told us through three weeks to take that tank and talk somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Because they were right there with the commanders. They led a playoff team from a year ago, 20 to nothing at halftime. And then they just took everybody's number one team in the power rankings to the woodshed. Now, I know Dallas had some injuries, but who cares? They ain't got nothing to do with the Cardinals. Like, Monty Olsenfort and uh, Jonathan Gannon, Gannon. you want to talk about like a narrative? That video where he looked like Kendall Roy uh, mm-hmm. When he met Kyler Murray, or then the video of him talking to his team, everybody was yeah, like, boss. "This is who you hired. This is who you yep. hired over. I don't know Eric Bieniemy or somebody." It's like, yeah, they're doing something right in Arizona right now. 
Well, I, it's I think funny. they are. It depends on if you want Caleb Williams or not. <laughs> but they okay. seem to be doing something right in that's terms of getting him to play. Good, yeah, that's a pretty good point, actually. Now yeah. you're like, well, maybe. Maybe this is not yeah. this, this competing thing. Okay, look, I will say this. It was funny when the Gannon videos came out, right? Because they were awkward. And mm-hmm. I, I had, you know, there's someone, a peer of mine, we were kind of having a conversation. He was really clowning. He was really clowning Gannon. And I, and I was like, look, Nick Sirianni's first press conference was a train wreck. Dan yeah. Campbell's first press conference was wild. Yes. Okay. Like yes. I remember yes. seeing video of guys yes. and going, Oh my God, this, this impression is terrible. But here's the thing about Gannon. When I went into that organization, this is why you do this, by the way, in training camp, you don't just yeah. go through all the great teams. You go through the teams yeah. that are expected not to be great either, because you want to see what their mentality is. So I go in yeah. and I, I, I meet with Gannon. I remember we're in the, we're in the tunnel together and uh he's like you know hey you want to jump on the golf cart we sit we're around the golf cart together and as we're sitting there every player like coming down they're like as soon as he comes into view they're like coach they're like every guy walking by is like and it wasn't the i've been in organizations where players walk by they kind of do the nod and just keep going no it was like boisterous it was like hey what's up coach like all this which was a surprise to me because i had heard coming in that Monty Austin Ford, the general manager, and Jonathan Gannon, they washed out a lot of kind of the bullshit in the building where it was like, look, we're not going to mm-hmm. do social media breaks anymore. You're going to show up on time for meetings. Like it's mm-hmm. there's going to be a certain strict, not militaristic sort of style here, but you're, sure. there's going to be expectations. You're going to have to meet them. And I remember DJ Humphreys when I was going in, DJ Humphreys had kind of made this um remark i don't remember exactly what the exact quote was but he was basically saying it's like a new day like yo this is different and we're all sort of getting used to it and yet when i went in there i didn't see guys who felt like beat down like they they all seemed to respond again and and then when i saw in the video later i'm like i don't know if that's necessarily accurate to how they feel about this guy if anything he reminded me a little bit of when mike tomlin started with the steelers where it was like i would see tomlin Walked through energized. the locker room. The, yeah, the energy, yeah. the respect that guys had for him. But then he yeah. would do that conditioning test at the beginning of the year. And he'd mm-hmm. be like, I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're a future mm-hmm. Hall of Famer. I don't care if you're a pro mm-hmm. bowler. You're going to pass the conditioning test. And if you don't, I'm going to fail you. And I'm not your friend. Like, I am mm-hmm. here to, to lead you. I am your coach. Like, we're going to have that bond. I will back yeah. you. We will be yeah. together. But I am not here to be your friend. Yeah. Gannon, I feel like has a little bit of that, which was interesting to me. And and I thought after that game, after the win over the Cowboys, it was interesting to see them dump water on him on the sidelines, which I think he was actually a little pissed about. Like, I think he was, mm-hmm. you know, he's like, okay, my guys, but you know, he, I don't think he wants that to be like, Hey, okay, we beat the Cowboys. We won a game that we're not celebrating like that. Like this has to be a standard here. We're not going to be yeah. acting like we just won the Super Bowl because we beat the Cowboys. So He's there is a mentality in that building, and I knew when they traded Isaiah Simmons, right? And everyone said, Oh my god, they fire sailed him. Why would you do that? I knew when I went in the amount of roster turnover they had, and that was a guy where it was like, They're like, We probably need him to play linebacker, we need, but he doesn't want to play this certain position. We're watching him, he knows what we expect him to bring to the table, and we're seeing him not playing 100% in the preseason. We're seeing him not put hits on that he should be putting on. And mm. I knew going in, I was like, yo, this guy's on the trade block. 
Like they, they didn't pick up his fifth year option. He's definitely on the trade block. And I think part of it was sending a signal to the rest of the team. Hey, he's a high draft pick. Hey, people think he can still be that guy he was coming out of Clemson. It's a new day. We ain't playing that, right? We're not going to do that. Yeah. Exactly what you said. It's yeah. a new day. We will deal him. We will get him yeah. out of here because we want to change what the culture is here. So I, I think there's something there. I think the fact that they fought all three games and they beat the Cowboys, it's not the yeah. cash out team that everybody thought. Well, it's certainly going to be interesting to see what happens because we, we know everything we've heard about Kyler Murray and his approach and how he's regarded or, or rather not regarded in that locker room and that organization. Uh, his work habits or lack thereof. It'll be interesting to see what happens when he comes back. Joshua Dobbs, shout out to him for the job he's doing. You know, they got him at the last minute. And what I love about the Cardinals most, Charles, is they are built similar to your dynasty team as far as being loaded for bear for the 24 draft. Although that Texans pick that they owned in the first round yeah, it might not be doesn't so look like it's going to be – it might not be so good because they got one in C.J. Stroud. looks like they got one. But I want to get you out. We got a couple minutes left before I got to get you out of here. I want to hit a few things real quick. And I certainly can't summarize it quickly, but we'll try. Put it to you like this. Lo and behold, are the Bears going to be in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes pretty soon, the way this is headed? Yep. Oh, I don't – I mean, is that, are we – are we questioning yeah, that? No, yeah. <laughs> like, I, don't I, I, I don't think I, 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 I thought <laughs> we'd already arrived at that. Like, <laughs> I'm, like, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm literally, I'm right literally along. sitting there in silence looking at I, you I like, guess, yeah, okay, I know. I'm wondering, <laughs> no, I mean, is it, is, is, feels, is feels really this bad? Or is he? Just, or I guess maybe he's not this bad. Is he being ruined right before our eyes? Maybe that's the better way to put it. Um, What I didn't like, so I covered the season opener there between the Packers and the Bears. And what I didn't mm-hmm. like, and when I, when I talked to people – externally about what they saw in that game was um that, that he was not running like he wasn't he he had turned into he went Charles, from I think he's being the greatest a, i think he's the greatest running quarterback i've ever seen i mean might i know we got lamar like, jackson based Michael on last Vick. season based on last yeah. season yeah nobody's yeah. been that fast and, that elusive and, and that big and so the thing is you ask yourself like how do you find that happy medium? Because it felt like they didn't find a happy medium. In that first game, I think there were – actually, I think in the first – I want to say in the first two games, there were seven designed runs for him. This is off the top of my head. I think there were yeah. seven designed runs for him in two games. And last season, no he was aver- he was averaging nearly eight a game mm-hmm. from midseason mm-hmm. on. Something like that. I think those numbers are pretty close. Um, yeah. And so to me, you're like, wow, you're total- you're definitely taking that element out of – out of his his game you know you got Luke Getzey's the, the offensive coordinator there he's he's supposed to figure it out I don't know that that's it's working and for him to come out and say I feel robotic I feel when he talked about the coaching aspect of it you know again yeah. I, and I think you and I talked about this before where I went through the Carson Wentz thing in Philly where you just there's so many people putting stuff in his head you stop acting yeah. naturally it, it's going to be important now to see the Denver games, the it's sort of the opportunity. Like this is it. You're 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 facing a team that's coming off of a, a seventy to twenty. You can't assume they're just going to pop back. And you're in the same situation, sure. getting absolutely throttled by Kansas City. Um, but I don't think there's any question. If you're the front office and you're looking at Justin Fields and what you want to accomplish, I will say this in their favor, and including the coaching staff, you had an opportunity to take quarterback one this year, right? But instead, did. what did. you did was you say, you know what? No, we're going to trade back. Okay. And we're going to add assets around our guy 
We're going to build around him. We're going to give him an opportunity. We're, we're sticking with him. We're going to give him an opportunity to blossom into this player. Now, is the coaching wrong? Could be, right? Mm-hmm. Or, and I don't know if we know this yet about Fields, is there an element of his game where you have to devote half the offense to, hey, man, just go make something? You, know? you don't really want to do that in the NFL. You don't want Johnny Manziel at, at Texas A&M and say, just go make something happen, you know, and and be that Bro. player. But it does feel like there needs to be more of a balance there that is not existing. It doesn't help the offensive yeah. line's terrible. You know, it's, man. It's, I mean, it was not easy 17. to get through that one fast. <laughs> no, no, that's okay. Matt Abrams three and seventeen, um, and thirteen straight losses now. All right, yeah. so I'll, I'll, I'll get out. We'll get out on this. We started with a more about. I'm gonna ask you to take your pick, because there's so, so many things we can get to. But I'm, I got to get to this one with you before I let you go. Take your pick. Worst decision: Brandon Staley or Josh McDaniel. At least Brandon Staley was on brand. Yeah. <laughs> I won't give him. I, I will give him that. <laughs> but I've still never seen anything like that. I think it's McDaniel because he made it twice. He did it twice. Yeah, like we were yeah. the first field. He got goal, bailed I'm out. Going, he got bailed yeah. out. Yeah. Well, sort of. I mean, kind of. Like you sit there and you're like, yeah. okay, first field goal shot. Like we're like, I'm sitting there. I'm watching. I'm like, this doesn't make any sense to me. Like you just go go for the yeah. touchdown now. Like with the time, whatever. Yeah. And then, and then when the leverage call happens, what was crazy about it was it actually played totally in the Steelers. Uh, right. uh, all it did was run off more time. It all it did was run off more time for the same field goal, yeah. right? Yeah. And yeah. so you're sitting yeah. there, you're like, yeah. the second time, the point I made on Twitter was, when you're doing the analytics, you're playing all of the games in your head. When they went, when, they, when they're sitting there facing fourth down the second time, you have to factor in that you just wasted a bunch of time after you Correct. made the decision. So Correct. after making that decision the first time, it should augment your decision the second time because now there's less time on the clock. It's not the same field goal decision as it was before. Right. And Josh is like, yeah, I'm going to do it anyway. I mean, it just. But the, the, the problem with both of them is neither one of them was analytics. They're both common sense. You yeah. know what I'm saying? You're up four at your own 24. You punt the damn ball. They need a touchdown. Make them drive farther for a touchdown. You yeah. punt the damn ball. I don't give a damn about your brand and how aggressive you are and how much you believe in your team. Yeah, believe in your defense, but also help them do their job by punting the right. freaking ball. That's one. In the Josh McDaniels part, it's like, bruh, if you go for it and you don't get it, you need a touchdown and a two-point conversion. If you kick a field goal, you still need the same damn touchdown. Except to your point, Charles, with less time. We are out of time. I appreciate you, brother. Thank you for emptying that gargantuan notebook of yours. Charles Robinson, Yahoo Sports, your pod to win the game. I love Mondays. I love spending my Mondays with you, man. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Thanks, man. What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30-pound sea bass, and a 10-inch compound miter saw have in common? They're all things that are easier to load in and out of the bed of the new F-150. Thanks to its new available pro-access tailgate, that's also a swing gate. The new 2024 Ford F-150, tough this smart, can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024, pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024, cargo and load capacity limited by weight and weight distribution. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.